This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. And in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licinius ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And if you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1020. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, and beginning at verse 1. And this morning I want to talk about being ready to meet God when he comes. Being ready to meet God when he comes. I don't think that there's probably very many people that think much about meeting God. And, and yet John, on the other hand, uh, appears to have thought a lot about it. Indeed, John's message is that God is coming and that we need to be ready for him when he does. Interestingly enough, Jesus also, if you're familiar with the Gospels, was one who talked a lot about being ready. In fact, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44, Jesus famously said, and therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Which begs the question, will we be ready when he comes, which of course is this central or is one of the central themes of the season of Advent, which is the season of the Christian year that we now find ourselves in. Indeed, the English word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which literally means coming, <laughs> referring of course to the coming of God to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And the message of scripture is that when God does come, all of us will experience it. As John says in our text, and all flesh, without exception, shall see the salvation of God. It's interesting to note, I think, uh, the way in which Luke introduces this uh, story uh, of John the Baptist. Indeed, Luke doesn't say as if he was, I don't know, introducing a fairy story. 
Once upon a time in a far, far away land. Rather, he begins in verse 1 this way. He says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother, Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius being the tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. What Luke is doing here is providing us a date. He's, he's providing a date for when all of these things happened. Uh, when John's ministry began, and that in the same way as many of the ancients dated, th dated things, namely by mentioning the names of those who were ruling at the time that, of the events that they're describing. For instance, in Isaiah's uh, prophecy, chapter 1 and verse 1, Isaiah wrote this, this is the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. When? When did this happen? In the days of the kings of Judah, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. We all know when they had their reigns as we look back. Of course, this is always more meaningful to the people who are the first recipients of these documents because they know exactly when this is happening. We have to look in books and commentaries and history to find out what we would call it, you know, 500 A.D. or 800 A.D., B.C. or whatever it is. But this is the way that they dated things. Or in, in, in Isaiah 6, famously, in verse 1, in the year that Uzziah, King Uzziah died, <laughs> I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, etc. And so begins, Luke begins with this story of John by saying in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Now the Roman emperor Tiberius began to reign after the first emperor, as we know as Augustus, who was his uncle, Octavian, <laughs> in, the, in the year A.D. 14. And so the 15th year of Tiberius' reign would be, if you run the math, A.D. 29. That's what Luke is saying. He's saying, in the year A.D. 29, John was in the desert, and God came and spoke to him. This is the, at the same time that Pontius Pilate, of famous memory, the Roman governor was governing in Judea, and Herod Antipas, one of the sons of Herod the Great, was tetrarch of Galilee. Another of his sons, Antipas's brother, Herod Philip, was a tetrarch in Iturea and Trachonitis. And then this sort of bit of a mysterious figure. We don't know a lot about Licinius, although we have archaeological evidence for him and inscriptions and so forth. He was the tetrarch of Abilene, which was an area near Damascus. And then you had Annas and Caiaphas. Annas was, had been formerly the high priest, and yet he was so revered by the Jews that he constantly is referred to in the literature, even though he wasn't officially. In fact, he was, had been deposed by the Romans. But Caiaphas, whose names you will remember, and Annas, by the way, uh, together with Pontius Pilate and the trials of Jesus, Annas and Caiaphas are leading the Jewish Sanhedrin in Jerusalem in A.D. 
29. And it was in A.D. 29, as Luke says, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah. In fact, we used his father's song, or canticle, as it's called traditionally, just earlier in the service, the song of Zechariah. It came, God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Seemingly, John had been out in the wilderness in the southern Jordan Valley for some time. And in fact, um, uh, when you read the birth narrative of John earlier in the first chapter of, of Luke's gospel, uh, Luke says this about John after t- telling the story of his birth. Luke chapter 1 and beginning at verse 80, And the child John grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. And then Luke says that in A.D. 29, (laughs) God came out to him and spoke to him in the wilderness. That is to say that John wasn't somebody who was speaking for himself. John was a true prophet speaking on God's behalf. And the things that he said were the things that God gave him to say. If I'm a, a judge of character and personality, left to himself, he just would have stayed out there, away from everybody. But God came to him and said, now is the time to speak. And so come out of the desert and come close to the river because I'm going to have you baptizing and you need water to do that. And begin to proclaim the things I'm telling you to proclaim. And so Luke says in verse 3 of our text, And John went into all the region around the Jordan River proclaiming or preaching a baptism of repentance. That was the message. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. In short, what John is saying to people as God is saying it to us through him this morning is to be changed and that we must change. (laughs) Indeed, that's what repentance means. Metanoia literally means to change your mind, but it means more than that. Uh, Metanoia means to think again, or we would say change our mind. But not just change our minds or change our thinking, but also to change the way of life. In fact, if you read the other accounts, uh, the people were coming to John and they were confessing their sins and then being baptized, etc. And so this is true life change that flows from true change of mind and heart. To think the way God thinks about things and to think about our lives the way that God thinks of our lives and to live in a way that's pleasing to Him. That and that alone, that two pillars, if you like, of what it means to repent. And it's within this context, John says, of thinking in a new way and living in a new way that we come to experience the divine gift of forgiveness, (laughs) which is signified for us in baptism. The washing away of sin, the cleansing of our lives of sin. And Luke says that John saying all of this and doing all of this is in fulfillment of what was written centuries earlier in the prophet Isaiah. As we have it here, as Luke quotes, beginning at verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet 
Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's John. Prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. And so John says, the Lord is coming. And because the Lord is coming, you need to prepare as you would for anybody coming and be ready. In fact, this is the theme of today's collect for the second Sunday in Advent. I don't know, did you notice it? <laughs> Listen to it again. This is what we prayed together. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy. Because there's another way to experience his coming. <laughs> that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Listen to this again. Merciful God who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Give us grace, spiritual strength to heed their warnings and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, when he comes. And so this is critical because of what Isaiah, quoted by Luke, says about the Lord's coming. And how he describes it in verses 5 and 6. Notice again, verses 5 and 6. And when he comes, every valley shall be filled up, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, down, and so that there's no obstacles to his coming. He will come with ease. And the crooked places, the crooked roads shall be straightened out. And the rough places, the potholes, will be filled in. And then verse 6. And all flesh, Jews, Gentiles, white, black, men, women, young, old shall all see the salvation of our God. And so Isaiah, quoted by Luke, says that when the Lord returns, all of us will experience it. I guarantee you, you will experience it. Whether you want to or not, it's coming. Whether for good or bad, the scriptures say all of us will experience it. This is the message of the prophets. The message of John. You're a Christian. It's the message of Jesus. Indeed, all of us will experience it whether we're ready or not. And of course, in point of fact, many will not be ready. In fact, this is the words of Jesus from Matthew 24, beginning at verse 37. This is what he said. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Very interesting. When I come back, you know what it's going to be like? It's going to be just like the days of Noah. Well, Lord, what was that like? Verse 38. For in those days, people before the flood were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. What he doesn't mention was 
<laughs> Part of what they would do is say, hey, you got some free time? Yeah, let's go out and see that idiot Noah. <laughs> you know? You know what Noah said? He said, you know, sometimes faith can make you feel, uh, seem like a fool <laughs> until it starts raining. <laughs> let's go see that idiot out there. He says, it's going to rain. I don't even know what that is. And he's building this. He calls it a ship or an ark or a boat or whatever until he goes in. And as you read it in Genesis, and God closed the door behind him. For as it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Therefore, Jesus said, your Lord and Savior, God come to us in human flesh. Therefore, Jesus says, stay awake. Or if you like, be ready. For you do not know the day of your Lord's coming. There's an interesting story in this same Gospel of Luke from which we're taking our text this morning related to how different people related to John and his message. In Luke chapter 20, and beginning at verse 1. And we read, And one day Jesus, as he was teaching people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes and elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, and who gave you this authority? This is our turf. We will... We work for the high priest. Who do you think you are coming in to the temple courts and saying the things that you say and doing the things that you do? And Jesus said to them, I'll ask you a question. And now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or as you say, from men? And so they came in the back and they huddled amongst themselves and they began to discuss with one another. Well, if we say from heaven, then Jesus will say, well, why didn't you believe him? Because we don't believe him. But if we say, ah, he came from men, then all the people will stone us to death because they are convinced that John is a prophet. And so they came back to Jesus and they answered that they didn't know where he came from. And Jesus said, then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I wonder how would you have answered Jesus' question? Do you believe that John was sent from God? And if John's message is from God, what are you going to do with it? Will you, what, think about it? Or perhaps ignore it? Or will you obey it? And don't forget what Jesus said. And therefore be ready, for you don't know on what day your Lord is coming. Being ready for God when he comes. Let us pray. Lord, it's an exciting thing. 
I think of uh, what uh, your son said in the Beatitudes, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And the, one of the great things that we, to which we look forward is that w when you come, you will usher in everlasting righteousness and truth and goodness and the injustices and other things that we know are wrong and they're paraded before us on a daily basis will all be gone. And yet we have to look at ourselves because we're great ones for justifying ourselves. In fact, those who justify themselves don't repent. They never imagine that there's anything they really need to repent for. It's somebody else's fault. It's somebody else who needs to be straightened out because I do everything right. But we don't, Lord. And if we're humble, we'll be honest. And if we're humble, we'll repent. And we'll call our lies what you call them. And we'll get ourselves ready so that when you come, indeed, when we see you face to face, there'll be no regret, there'll be no shock, there'll be no surprise, just joy unspeakable and full of glory. Help us to respond to the message of the prophet that you sent that we might hear. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.